0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.
0: It's time for your weekly trip around the bases with your hometown team. It's Inside Twins, where we dive into the minds of the guys in charge for insight, information, and analysis. Inside Twins is brought to you by Continental Diamonds, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Here's your host of Inside Twins, Corey Provis.
2: Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Inside Twins, live from Kauffman Stadium on a warm summer uh, summer Sunday here in Kansas City. Twins and the Royals set to wrap up this four-game series and the final game of this 11-game 10-day road trip. Twins in Kansas City coming up one more time. The pitching matchup about an hour from now, a little bit more than that. In fact, it'll be Hector Santiago for the Twins, and Travis Wood will make his first start this season. 25 appearances all out of the bullpen, so Wood for Kansas City and Santiago today for the Twins. I'm Corey Provis. We thank you for tuning in. You can reach us in two ways by email, twins at TwinsBaseball.com, or on Twitter, hashtag InsideTwins. And a very special guest joining us for our Sunday program, we do not get a chance to visit too often on this show, but he's. Well, he lives here. He's always bouncing around the country and the world, for that matter, looking at talent all over the world. But uh, great to catch up in person with the vice president player personnel from the Minnesota Twins. We say good afternoon to Mike Radcliffe. How are you?
1: Pleasure to be here, gents. Thank you.
2: Great to have you with us today, and this is a very important day. We're going to kind of put a pause on on the current big league roster and just kind of talk about a few uh, big-picture items, but July 2nd, Mike, is a very significant date on the baseball calendar, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. It's an important day for the organization, and it's also extremely important to the international scouts. This is the day we're able to sign uh, players around the world that aren't eligible for the draft, and uh, it's a culmination of a long process of evaluation, and now we get to... Make offers, sign guys, and bring them into the organization as of today. Elaborate on
2: that point if you can. Guys who are not eligible for the amateur draft, why now? What what uh, what has to happen for kids to sign today?
1: July 2nd, age 16. They have to turn age 16 before today or before September the 5th. You can sign guys uh, all around the world, uh, everywhere where they play baseball. Uh, we'll be involved with guys today in Latin America, the Dominican Venezuela, Panama, and even to Australia, Korea, Taiwan. Uh, All players that aren't eligible for the draft, and that's United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico, basically, are eligible to be signed uh, under the international guidelines, and July 2nd is our signing day.
2: Uh, And there are reports circulating about the Twins signing a young player, but I know you can't speak of that because that is not yet official But unlike the amateur draft, when teams have select slots and money allocated with different slots, it's not the same deal, is it today?
1: No. The draft, you you go to a selection process. This is a process where we negotiate with the family and the players. It's a dollar sign on the muscle. It's uh, built on relationships that you cultivate over time with families, players, and their representation. And many times there are many teams vying for the services of the same player, and, and it builds to this day where you can actually make an offer and sign a player.
2: All right, so it's not that the Twins have, say, the first pick during or on this day with the international draft or the international signing period. It's the highest bidder, right? That that's kind of how it plays out on a day like today.
1: Not always the highest bidder, but absolutely the carving of the money. Every team has a cap, and you allocate your resources accordingly. You try to get as many good players as you can, as you can afford, as you can as you can deal with. It's just like the draft in that we're all looking at many of the same players. The process now has changed over the last. 10 or 15 years where there's showcases and and events where we all attend and see the the best guys. Uh, You know, 10 or 15 years ago was different where you had workouts and guys got hidden and it was difficult to find some of them and, you know, five teams would show up on the doorstep of a guy at 1201. Uh, It it doesn't work that way anymore. It's different. It's about building relationships and you, you have a good idea of where you're at well in advance of today. So, you know, that's, that's the Dix process, though. We're in houses right now. I've had several conversations already this morning with guys in, in the DR and in Venezuela, and, you know, we're in houses now to try to culminate the deal. You mentioned that every team has a cap with,
2: uh, with the international signing period. Does that number change each year? Does every team have the same amount?
1: We're under new rules now. It used to be from the lowest-ranked team from the – previous year would have the most money and it would go down to the team that won the world series would have the least amount of money now we have almost all the same amount it's right around five million there's there's slight differences but we're all basically working with about the same amount of money
2: so you could sign ideally as many players within that say five million dollar cap but are there penalties for teams who go over and conversely if teams don't use their full
1: amount does that roll over the following year? And that is the difference, the main difference from previously. You cannot go over your cap now. You can trade for extra money, but you cannot go over the money that you have acquired over time. And if you don't use the money, then it's just unused resources. You know, so we, we all are trying to maximize the amount of money that we have. There are abilities to add money by trading with other teams, but right now we're essentially all working on a level playing field with a similar amount of money to sign players. That's always
2: a neat twist because in the amateur draft, you can't trade. You can't trade picks, but international signing period and money allocated for various picks, this you can move. And will big league clubs use a day like today to help not just their farm system but their big league roster, their 25 or even 40 man?
1: Yeah, we've seen it the last two years. Uh, cap money, international cap money, has been a part of deals in in the month of July as we lead up to the trading deadline to finish off those those deals that that bring major league players to another organization. So, it's a it's that's the complex part of it now, acquiring the money and then being able to allocate it. The process leading up today has been very similar for a long time. You. You evaluate the players, you cultivate the relationships, and now you try to consummate a deal.
2: Right, good stuff. Mike Ratcliffe joining us here, the Twins vice president, player personnel. We'll talk more about that. Other subjects coming up as Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field, rolls on. Live from Kansas City, this is Twins Baseball. Welcome back, Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Corey Provis, pleased to be joined today by Twins Vice President, player personnel Mike Radcliffe. International signing period begins today. We touched on that a little bit in our first segment. And sticking with that, the homework that, Mike, you, and, and so many have to do with signing teenagers outside the United States, I would imagine, is quite the challenge compared to seeing You know, prep kids, even college kids, that you look to sign and look to draft in the amateur draft?
1: Well, it's certainly risky business. You're dealing with very young individuals. Their talent is not defined or or developed yet. So digging in on the makeup and getting relationships is just as important as dealing with the guys we have in the states for the draft. Um, When you figure out that almost 40% of the major league players are from outside the United States, it's just a market you can't you have to get involved in. You have to be a part of it. You have to try to get the best players on a yearly basis out of that market because it's it's ramping up the number of players from outside the United States that are playing all the way up to the Major League level.
2: So that's the current number. that is it 40% of all Major League rosters right just, now? Just under. Just, just under, under 40% from players outside the United States. And you see that number rising?
1: Yeah, it has been rising for years. You know, it, it, Just like in the States, maybe the – the sweet spots are Southern California, Florida, Texas. Well, in the international world, it's the Dominican and, and uh, Venezuela. It's Latin America. So that's where most teams allocate their resources. That's where you do most of your work. But there's there's also niches outside Latin America where teams have had success. Uh, we can point to our major league team with Max Kepler, who's from Europe. And, and there's a number of players from the Far East that are impacting major league teams. So... We've, we've tried to tried to find uh, our way in, in all the different parts of the world that play baseball, but we're just like everybody else in that the Dominican Republic and Venezuela is, is, is where most of the players are coming from internationally, and that's where you have to have to spend your time and effort.
2: And young players can sign as early as 16, but at what point does the homework begin? Are you starting to, to, to look at kids who are 12 or 13, or do you have to, to wait a little bit longer?
1: T, uh, players will get uh, affiliated with a Buscone and be a part of workouts and things at that early age. Uh, 13 and 14 is probably the earliest you start seeing guys. 15 is when they start showing up at all the showcases and you try to get them. uh, You try to have people see them in all the various uh, venues that you can. But, yeah, they're, they're a part of programs as early as 12 and 13. And so, you know, our guys in the, in, the, in the field down there do start seeing players at that at that age. You
2: mentioned Buscone. And for those listening right now not familiar with what that means, who that is, with these young players, elaborate if you can.
1: In Latin America in particular, the Dominican and Venezuela, the kids, unfortunately, don't go to school. And a lot of them will attend or be with a uh, – a, He's called a buscone on the ground. Uh, they're basically agents, trainers that take kids at a very young age and start working them and develop them and as players. And many of them have programs to learn English and in school as well. They're, they're that they're that extensive. The programs a lot of them have. So. Uh, those are the guys that are, are scouts at the uh, entry level down there, the grassroots have to deal with and, and build these relationships with. Most of those guys on the ground will have a relationship with an agency or somebody else that you end up negotiating with to finally consummate a deal with each player. but. Uh, on a daily level, daily basis, we're, we're going into different places to watch kids at age 13, 14, and 15, and they're being developed by trainers that are on the ground in those countries.
2: Fred Guerrero was uh, in town, or I should say we saw him earlier on this road trip. He was in Boston, and Fred Guerrero's been a, a twin scout for a long time. He signed Miguel Sano, he signed Jorge Polanco, and so many others throughout his career. How vital is he? Is he the point man negotiating with the young players with the Buscones before you come to an agreement on a day like today?
1: He is. He's our lead guy in Latin America, uh, in Venezuela and a Dominican. We have four other guys that are full-time in the DR. We have three other guys that are full-time in Venezuela. But Fred's in charge of all those guys. He's the point man in negotiations. He's the point man in allocating our resources in those countries so that we see all these players and build our relationships. Fred is invaluable to uh to our baseball ops department with his contacts and his abilities and, and he's as you mentioned he's been very productive here in the last few years. Now We'll take a break
2: speaking of 2009 and that international class I want to have Mike go down memory lane, Sano Kepler, Polanco all part of that 2009 class and a day like today all signed around the same time. We'll go down memory lane with Mike when Inside Twins continues brought to you by Continental Diamond. Home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field next and you're home for Twins baseball. Go back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Corey Probus, pleased to be joined today by Twins VP of Player Personnel, Mike Radcliffe. And Mike, before the last break, we were—I was saying about you know Sano, Polanco, Kepler. It was what this day, two thousand nine. Those guys all signed uh, International Signing Day, and now here they are, all three. In fact, uh, contributing in a big way this season for the big league club. Your your
1: memories from that class. Eight years ago. Well, it certainly was a prolific year, no doubt about it. Actually, Miguel didn't sign until several months later because he had an issue with his identity. Oh, that's right. That's that, right. That uh, the commissioner's the and office. and all that. Right. That they, they tried to prove uh, his age, and nobody could really document it so that it was uh, credible. So, you know, that one was a team effort, no question about it, because that required us to go well beyond our budget. And we signed Polanco and Kepler within within confines of our our budgeted amount, as well as a few other guys that year. But to get Sano in, in the fold was going to require that extra, well, as it, as we all know, it was over three million dollars now. So Mr. Polad agreed to let us do that without any finality to uh, the age issue, and so we pursued and and were able to add that one, which you know obviously topped off that year very nicely. Three three impactful major leaguers potentially.
2: How just you stumble upon the kid in Germany?
1: Well, we prefer to not use the term stumble, but there's a little more <laughs> Study. A little Excuse more me. process Scout, to yeah. it than that. Yeah. But Max is a unique case, too. He's really not a German. He's from the United States. His mom and dad are both. His mom's from the United States. His dad's from Poland. But he lived in Germany because that's where his parents worked. And, uh, you know, he was a soccer player. But at age 13, he started taking up baseball and got into a program that our scout in Europe, Andy Johnson, was aware of and got to see him and started the process on him. And then Glenn Godwin and Howie Northsetter and all of us got involved and brought it to the point where we you know, had interest to sign him for over $700,000. You mentioned
2: Miguel Sano and what he, what he received. Yet I believe Wander Javier remains, of all the, the international players you've signed, he received more money than Miguel Suneau. Why and, and what is Javier ceiling?
1: Well, it's supply and demand in every case. And in Suño's case, a lot of teams wouldn't become involved because of the age issue. Their ownership wouldn't allow them to proceed. So we probably got him for somewhat of a discount, to be honest. Uh, and then Wander was, a, was one of the higher-rated premium prospects in that class, and uh, we... Valued him highly, and we competed with about five other teams to to get that deal done.
2: It seems so strange to me, but, you know, given a year could separate a player from, say, you sign him at 16, but maybe 17, does that year really make a difference? I mean, dollars probably drop, but just one year, from 16 to 17,
1: that is a big difference in in finances and maybe in, in, in talent? Well, you've hit on a unique uh, point because as as the process goes now, it does. Uh, we and several other clubs have, have kind of started to find a niche in that 17-, 18-year-old bracket, guys that have been passed over, that you can you can find players in, in those ages that have value. We've just signed a few guys recently for small amounts of money that have present velocity and size and, and pitches that you know we think are, are going to be prospects. So, the way the process is now, uh, most organizations view the 16-year-old as the premium talent, and that's where the money's spent. But there is a, a lot to be said for being due, ha- having your due diligence to keep following players that go beyond that and go through the cracks. And we'll see in the future here whether that that reeks rewards to our organization
2: and i would imagine too that those those kids will be hungry right they were passed over maybe looking for the the, the big bucks when they were 16 turning 17 that didn't happen but then you sign them cheaper but maybe there's some motivation to begin a professional career
1: all that comes into play and, and we're kind of excited about a few guys we've added the past few years that there's a number of other clubs that have kind of looked into this market and you know it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out a couple final thoughts with mike
2: radcliffe next is inside twins wraps up after this on your home for twins baseball Last couple minutes of Inside Twins. Corey Provis back with uh, Mike Radcliffe. And, Mike, we could sneak in a question now from Clinton from Eden Prairie, a loyal listener, and he's asking all the discussion today about the international signing period and, and signing kids at 16, 17 and some, and we're, we're seeing some now at the big league level.
1: Happy with where they're at and maybe even what you paid for back way back when. Absolutely. You, when you get a 16-year-old player to the major league level or even onto the 40-man roster, that is a success. So to see Miguel Sano as a candidate to be on the all-star team, to see Max Kepler developing to the level where he's an everyday impactful player, to see Polanco go through all the processes he has to now be a viable shortstop, and in our minds he's going to be a, a, a big league positive hitter. I, yeah, these guys, the guys we have up here right now are all playing to – exceptional levels absolutely
2: getting back to the amateur draft the twins selected Royce Lewis number one overall not too long ago you met with him many times your uh, your impressions of Royce
1: well he fits the bill on, on so many levels he's he's a prince of a human being I think we have the utmost confidence in his makeup and his ability to be a leader and to go through this process as a, as an impactful player not only uh, for his team but his community and impact the clubhouse uh, but on top of that, he's got skills. He's got tools and skills that make him a middle-of-the-diamond-impact player, potentially, and has a chance to, to be a force in the lineup as well. He, he has tremendous tools. The skills are already visible, and he's got all the makeup traits that are going to allow him to maximize all those, all those things.
2: One minute left in our show. Could you ever see the day of one big draft, one full international draft, domestic talent, international talent, grouped together? for one draft period
1: i actually can i, I it, there's still a lot of layers between now and then a lot of things that have to be developed discussed and figured out but in my humble opinion that would be the most beneficial end result for the clubs and uh, the organizations you know there will be it'll be argued on behalf of the individual players themselves that there might be not quite as much financial feedback but uh, I think that's maybe the uh, end game that we'll eventually get to here in maybe the next
2: CBA. Right, Mike, always enjoy the visit. Thanks for your time today. My pleasure. Now we thank Mike Radcliffe for his time. We've got much more to come on this Sunday afternoon here in Kansas City, both here and at Target Field. Chris, is the pregame show coming up, and then it's Game 4, Twins and the Royals. Santiago for the Twins, and Travis Wood throwing for Kansas City. We thank you for listening. Twins in their 42nd win. The Royals are 40-40. and 40. It's Game 4 coming up. The pregame show is next on your home for Twins Baseball.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever